0: Gavin Sharp. Uh, Good
1: morning, Gavin. Good morning. Good morning, Rob. Good morning, Sarah. How quickly things come around. Indeed.
0: Yeah. Right, well, um, the subject this week is conflicts and relationships. But before that, um, some words of advice about the current situation. I mean, people may have family and friends in Ukraine they're desperately worried about. Anybody who's got an investment only has to mm-hmm. look at it to see how much it's gone down since this trouble started. I mean, people are genuinely scared. I mean, this is the closest we've got to war in Europe since 1945.
1: I was thinking, that's right, and I was thinking this morning on, on my way in, what is it about this conflict that seems to have impacted us Um, in a way that seems so different to some of the conflicts that we've lived through. And maybe because of the fact that you've just shared, which is, it feels very different. We're on the brink of something which is different to something that we've lived through before. But I also think this sense of angst that we've been living with due to COVID for the past couple of years, that it's like my emotional tank is already empty there was already this foundation of, of angst and helplessness that was there. And just as we seem to be emerging from that, we now have kind of compounded a new sense of anxiety, which is this war anxiety.
0: Um, in the last program, we didn't mention Vladimir Putin, but I would uh, guess he would confirm that he's not only a narcissist, but a psychopath
1: as well. I think that's right I think he is probably we went through a list of the different types of narcissists and I said the most dangerous is the malignant and the malignant narcissist borders on being um, a psychopath and some malignant narcissists are psychopaths and looking at the evidence this is someone that seems to have um, an inability to empathize and an absolute disregard for humanity so I would put him in that category.
0: So how can people just go about their daily lives while all this stuff is unfolding? I mean, it's,
1: it's terribly hard to even concentrate on anything. It is, but on a, on, on a more hopeful note, what I would say is that we we have the tools because we've been using them for the past two years. We've been helping ourselves and our loved ones get through the pandemic anxiety. So how did we do that? We did it by... Um, not overloading ourselves with media coverage. So rather than watching the news three times a day or checking my phone, whatever it was that we did before when we recognized I am overwhelmed with watching the news or reading on my apps constantly. So I'm gonna limit my media coverage. I think that it's really important that when we feel helpless and powerless, we connect to the things that we do have control over. And sometimes that's the trivial stuff. I'm going to make my list today and I'm going to focus on my shopping. I'm going to focus on taking the kids to school because this is my, these are my rituals and this is my routine and I need to stay focused on what I usually do and it will give me a sense of even though there's this huge part of the world at the moment that makes me feel powerless, I do have power over here. And some of the things that hopefully we did before that we we don't isolate. Um, we, we allow ourselves to connect to our friends. And of course, finally, and I, it's so heartening to see, and I'm sure you've seen it, you were reading about it on the news just before, Sarah. And then what can I do to help? I can't change the overall fact that this crazy war is going on, but what I can do is I can donate. Um, I can raise money, I can give clothes, and it's wonderful to see the amount of uh, groups that have spun up in such a short space of time. And I wonder if that is both I really want to help and unlike the pandemic, there is something I can do, at least something small.
0: OK, well, the uh, the, the main subject today is uh, conflicts in relationships. Uh, do happy couples argue? Just outline what you're going to be talking about more in depth after nine o'clock.
1: So, indeed, I, what I want to talk about is whether arguing in our relationships is a good or a bad thing. So, as people are listening to the show, I invite you to think about the last argument that you had with your partner and um, what did you argue over and how did you resolve it. But I'll give you a clue. One of the things that I will say after the break is, in my experience, the happiest couples argue Oh no they, they arg- don't <laughs> Oh yes they do <laughs> They they argue frequently And they resolve the conflict I think healthy arguing Is fundamental To a healthy relationship
0: Excellent, well there are questions for Gavin StudioRiviaRadio.MC uh, StudioRiviaRadio.MC Gavin will be here after 9 o'clock To talk about conflict in relationships
2: And now it's time for Woofer of the Week <laughs> on 106.5 Riviera Radio.
0: Time for a woofer of the week. Hello Dawn. Hi Rob. Any good news this week or not?
3: Oh, I wish I could bring you some good news. I think we all need it, but I don't have any to bring you yet. Oh. I've got you a nice little dog needing adoption though. So Right, let's well, see that if there's something positive. Tell <laughs> us
0: about him or her.
3: Her. Gaia. Gaia. Gaia is looking for a fantastic new forever home. She's only 15 months old, so very nearly at the end of being a puppy. She weighs 20 kilos, so she'll be a medium-sized adult dog. And she's sand-coloured and she's got a pretty face. Gaia loves playing with other dogs and even cats. As we know, that's quite a plus because not every dog does. Uh, She's not good in town, though. She gets really stressed in town. She doesn't like traffic and noise and busy. Um, and she's not in the habit of it she much prefers the countryside so she'd be better off living a bit further out and a garden is a must please ideally a household with one or two adults and certainly a household with other pets she learns quickly as she's a young dog and to find out more about her you can email the association which is in biot and their email is association.herlinda at gmail.com.
0: Right, well, I can't think of any Gaia's. I mean, there is a track called uh, called Gaia, but I can't remember who, the, who it's by. It's one of those New World-type things. But uh, seeing she as you said, she's got a pretty face. How about Mr Blue Sky, E-L-O? Hey, you with the pretty face.
3: That works beautifully. <laughs>
0: All right, Dawn, thank you.
3: <laughs> Pleasure. Talk to Speaking you next, to you next week.
4: week. That was
0: Woofer of the Week. For more details about this week's woofer, go to the 106.5 Riviera Radio
2: page on Facebook or our website at rivieraradio.mc. Woofer of the Week on 106.5. Woof, the era radio.
0: The Press Review is brought to you by BMW Côte d'Azur. Uh, Starting with The Guardian, Russian troops have reportedly landed in Kharkiv, Ukraine's second most populous city, according to the Security Service of Ukraine. Ukrainian authorities said at approximately 3 a.m. local time, Russian airborne troops landed and engaged in heavy fighting with Ukrainian forces. Uh, An alert from Ukraine's state special communications agency said a Russian landing party just landed in Kharkiv. Uh, The agency said the soldiers attacked the military medical clinical center hospital, adding that a battle broke out between the invaders and the Ukrainian defenders. The city with a population of around one and a half million has been encircled for days and saw at least six people killed when the region's administrative building on Freedom Square was hit with what was believed to be a missile.
5: In this morning's Figaro, French far-right candidates Marine Le Pen and Éric Zemmour have passed the threshold of 500 signatures, allowing them to officially run in April's presidential election. According to the list published by France's Constitutional Council... On Tuesday, Eric Seymour had received 620 sponsorships and Marine Le Pen had 503. There are now 11 candidates who can officially run in the first round of the presidential election on the 10th of April. The cut-off date for the sponsorships is March the 4th at 6pm.
0: And from the New York Times, President Biden vowed on Tuesday to make President Putin of Russia pay a price for invading Ukraine, seeking to rally the world as Moscow's forces rain down missiles on Ukrainian cities and prepare to lay siege to the capital Kyiv. Appearing before a joint session of Congress at a fraught moment in modern history, Mr. Biden called for a united resistance to defend the international order endangered in uh, uh, by uh, Russian aggression and warned the oligarchs who bolstered Mr. Pearson's regime that he would seize their luxury yachts and private jets.
5: The Press Review, brought to you by BMW, Mies Premium Motors, Bayern Avenue Can, BMW Store Monaco, and JPB Frejus. Boost
0: your business with the electrified range by BMW. Find all the BMW business drive offers at your car dealer. Just time to squeeze in the pop quiz before the news.
5: Very quickly, question number one. On this day in 1996, Oasis scored their second UK number one single with which
0: track? 96, 96. Uh... Live forever?
5: that your final answer
0: obviously not (laughs) oh um it's not um that one
5: yes it is that one
0: okay go on then i give up
5: (laughs) don't look back in anger oh i was gonna say that oh drat. on this day in 1991 this french singer died of a heart attack famous for his 1969 number one uk duet with jane bergen and also in the same year on this day in 1991 21 years after its first release which song by Free made it to number 2 in the UK charts after being reissued alright now correct All right. and it was to coincide with an advert for what a television ad it was used in jeans no Um, booze no, chewing
0: gum. Oh, chewing gum? Yeah, Wrigley's chewing gum. Really? Yeah. Wrigley's spinning. gum, gum, gum. Yeah. Riviera Radio. Business. Morning, Mr. Potts. Mr. Potts.
2: Good morning. Can Come on, me? Wake up. I'm here, I'm here. We're having a little nap, we? We need to go. No, no. No, you sure? Just focusing on something else. But I'm back with you now. Come on.
0: Good. Oh, right, I'm ready. All right. Uh, well, we better get straight into it. Uh, markets. Uh, phew, terrible day on Wall Street yesterday. Not much better in Europe. And uh, analysts say that so the conflicts in Ukraine will continue to dominate markets for the foreseeable future.
2: Yeah, i think that's right if anything the european trading session was worse than over on wall street of course ukraine is the epicenter of um, the geopolitical tensions that we're seeing playing out so as you move further away from that the economic impact the financial market impact you could argue should be lessened but certainly equity markets traded sharply lower yesterday around the world bond yields tumbled and oil continued to soar. This is as Russia intensified its military campaign against Ukraine and vowed to continue until its goals are met. Economists have been downgrading their growth forecast for Europe, postponing interest rate hike expectations. European shares are down 2.4% in terms of the stock 600. The DAX was off 3.9% yesterday. S&P 500 closed down. 1.5%, NASDAQ, the technology market in the US, was down 1.6%. Financials, travel and leisure, the automakers led the declines, no surprise in terms of the gainers, very much coming from energy and from miners. 10-year treasury yields plunged 13 basis points to 1.71% yesterday, that's the lowest since early January. A more dramatic move, it has to be said, in terms of European developed government market bond yields. German 10-year Bund yields dropped 21 basis points. That's back into negative territory. I think that's the biggest one-day move that we've seen in more than a decade. Crude prices, I say, jumped nearly 10%. Gold surged 32 dollars to 1,933 dollars an ounce, the highest level since November 2020. Set for another rough ride, one would expect on the European bourses this morning, uh, opening in the red, down by around about. we think, looking at the DAX, could open down 97 points. Of course, the FTSE 100 should benefit from the constituents, particularly those oil companies. So we are looking at a more positive start on the uh, FTSE 100, up around about 5 points.
0: It does look as if the uh, Ukraine conflict is going to enter its uh, critical phase uh, within the next 24 to 48 hours, with uh, Russian troops massing around uh, Kiev and also uh, Kharkiv uh, being uh, invaded by paratroopers this morning. Um, a little crumb of comfort, though, Henk. I mean, we had some good data out of China this morning, and also the Chinese have uh, well, tensively said that they would like to get involved in peace negotiations, which is really what the world needs.
2: Yeah, it's certainly what the world's needs and markets will be looking to China to see exactly what their stance is in relation to this. I mean, so far, China has had the position, it would appear, of not going as far as rebuking the decision by Russia to invade Ukraine. In fact, previously described as a special military operation. I think they've now upgraded that to acknowledge the conflict was a war and uh, said it's uh, looked forward to mediation for the realisation of a ceasefire. So... Perhaps a, a change coming through in terms of the rhetoric from China that will be seen as, as perhaps an, an important move there. China's economy did gain momentum in February, suggesting the government's pro-growth policies are starting to kick in. The official manufacturing purchase managers index rose above 50 level, which uh, of course separates expansion from contraction. The non-manufacturing gauge, which measures construction and service sector, increased to 516 Destiny activity did indeed pick up after the Lunar New Year holidays. Chinese government, of course, moved to an easing bias, unlike other governments around the world in the second half of last year, as economic momentum faltered under the pressure from the slump in the property market, those sporadic outbreaks of COVID as a country continues to pursue its zero COVID strategy. People's Bank in China have cut interest rates. They've reduced the amount of uh, cash that banks need to hold on reserve. They've also been boosting credit expansion as well. But as you say, perhaps their role in terms of the, uh, the geopolitical picture is as important as their economy at the moment.
0: They could certainly uh, win a lot of friends if they managed to sort this situation out. Uh, Price of oil, $110 a barrel. You said yesterday, you know, you didn't really know how high it would go, but, well, it's put on $10 in 24 hours.
2: Yeah, dramatic movements there. In an effort to try and reduce the upward pressure on crude prices, the International Energy Agency said the US and supporting nations, including Japan and Germany, have agreed a coordinated release of oil reserves 60 million barrels of crude will be released from those strategic reserves, 30 million of which is coming from the United States. Remember, it's the second time in just a few months the US has tried to improve supply. The immediate impact, as you've been talking about on crude prices, was minimal to nothing. This is after traders realized the release equated to just six days of Russian production. Markets also appreciate that the level of strategic reserves are limited. Remember, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve was set up by the US back in 1975 as a response to the Arab oil embargo. The end of last year, the US had around about 606 million barrels in its strategic reserves. Data at the end of September suggested OECD governments in total held around 1.5 billion barrels. But to put that in some sort of context for you, The global economy uses around about 100 million barrels of oil per day we should also appreciate it takes some time from the release decision to that oil hitting the market opec plus of course meeting today be interesting to hear what they have to say about the supply and demand dynamics but as we've spoken about before, they appear to have limited capacity to dramatically raise their production levels, at least in the short term.
0: Is that right? Because, I mean, really, you think that OPEC plus need to step up to the plate now. But um, analysts are saying that uh, even before this conflict, um, you know, oil was already, uh, the price was tight, uh, volatility, yeah. commercial inventory is low. And, uh, yeah, it was going up anyway, wasn't it, as we were talking about before the, uh, the invasion started?
2: You're exactly right. We've seen a rapid recovery in terms of demand as economies have exited the restrictions as a result of the pandemic. We know that inventory levels have been low coming into this crisis, something of course that we should should bear in mind. And of course capacity increases are limited. There's been limited investment during the course of the pandemic, there's political disruption uh, in some of the key regions. So even if they wanted to increase production significantly, say limit capacity, the one area perhaps you could look to is towards Saudi Arabia. But again, you're only probably talking about one or two million barrels of oil per day, certainly not enough to meet a shortfall if we were to see a curtailing of exports coming through from Russia.
0: And you are you responsible for the slump in online shopping? I know you do all your clothes shopping at High and Mighty these days,
2: so uh, you know. <laughs> Not far away from it. Zelando so shares down nine percent yesterday. Europe's biggest online fashion retailer forecast that sales growth would uh, decelerate during the course of this year. As the boom in e-commerce recedes and demand is expected to be impacted by the conflict in Ukraine. So expect revenue to increase by around as or as much as nineteen percent. But that's down from the 30% jump in revenue that was registered during the course of last year. That forecast actually excludes any negative impact from the war in Ukraine. Zalando said they operate in eight Eastern European countries, not directly in Russia or Ukraine, but they said they've already seen reduced demand in that region. Zalando and Rivals, of course, have benefited from the uh, rise in demand during the course of the pandemic. Consumers who were confined to homes shopped online. The company has been trying to persuade traditional bricks and mortar stores to use its site to sell their apparel as it seeks to become a platform for all things fashion. They said they have the ambition of serving 10% of Europe's uh, fashion market within the long run, but Zalando shares have come under pressure uh, following the spike we saw during the heights of the pandemic. In fact, they've lost a third of their value over the course of the past year.
0: Sounds like a Brazilian football player, Zalando. <laughs>
2: Unfortunately, not. Foreign exchanges, please. Pound against dollar coming in at 1.33 this morning. Euro dollar coming in at 1.11 you going to get 1 euro, 19 and a half cents for your British pound this morning. He could also be a magician. Zalando, the marvellous Zalando. The great Zalando.
0: He could sort of uh, saw people in half. Maybe he could start with Vladimir Putin. Right, thank you. We'll leave it there. Thank Talk you. to you
2: tomorrow. No, you're not here tomorrow. I'm not here tomorrow. And Stoke tomorrow, back with you on Friday.
0: Stoke, the heart of the metropolis. Did you have to leave your towel on the bathroom floor? You forgot to put the rubbish out again. It wasn't my turn you need to calm down. Good morning, Gavin. Good morning. You you do that
1: so convincingly. I've had a lot of practice. <laughs>
0: Good morning to you both. Uh, conflict in relationships. You know, and we all know you can be getting on like a house on fire and then all of a sudden, out of blue, a massive row will erupt out of nowhere for a seemingly trivial reason.
1: Uh, does everybody argue, especially couples? I think everybody does argue and i would go one stage further i would say that couples who don't argue risk having a less intimate relationship so i believe as a therapist who works a lot with couples that arguing in a relationship is essential i think it's a myth that happy couples don't argue i think that why couples tend to split up, we always think, oh, it must be over an affair or it's over something significant. And sometimes it is. But underneath it, I would say couples split up because over time, they haven't resolved their arguments. They've allowed the atmosphere between them just to become contaminated. And when we argue constructively and in a healthy way, We're getting an insight into our partner's soul, into their wishes. So, yes, I think happy couples argue, all couples argue, and I think those that don't risk just being less intimate.
0: See, I keep saying this to Sarah, but she won't have it. She just won't listen. I'm thinking of leaving her, you know. (laughs) I love a good argument. (sighs) I've noticed. (laughs) You can make up afterwards. Um... How much of a problem do you think politics is in this day and age? Because, I mean, when I was young, our parents used to say, don't let politics come between you. Some of our best friends aren't in the same, you know, political party. They don't vote the same way as us. In fact, your mother votes for the Liberal Democrats and I vote for the Labour Party, but we get on like a house on fire. But now, after Brexit and everything else that's happened, there's some serious divisions in families, and even among couples.
1: There there are a lot more divisions in, in in couples, and we're living in such polarized times. And I would say, broadly speaking, it's not the one part of the couple who might be um, for Brexit and the others a Remainer. That's probably not what causes the problem per se. I think what causes the problem is the way we argue over it, which I'd like to talk about. And it's the fact that I feel unseen, I don't think validated. And if all that happens between the couple is there's two individuals who simply want to convince the other why they're right, I'll tell you why I'm right to leave the towel on the bathroom floor and why you're wrong or why Brexit. Once we get into those entrenched positions, we're in trouble. I'd just like to point
0: out it wasn't me who left the towel on the bathroom floor. No. You know, I'd just like to make that totally clear before you go any further. We
1: were very... I, I had no <laughs> doubt. I had no doubt. Um, so how do you
0: prevent a healthy debate spiralling into an argument, or should, just, should, should you just let
1: it rip? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that letting it rip is often what happens, and that's the problem, because when we let it rip, and we you know, we've all done that, we're human. So what happens when we've let it rip is that we... Our, our nervous system uh, goes on to alert um, and our what we call our sympathetic nervous system, we raises our blood pressure and the cortisol starts going and my body's mobilized for the fight or flight. And once I'm in that heightened state, actually we're just gonna let it rip and nothing constructive is gonna come out of it. So what I say to couples is firstly, choose the time when you're going to argue. So we've had this disagreement if we're both in this mobilized state, this is not a good time to have the argument. And actually sometimes I'll say to couples, what you'll need to do is actually schedule a time when we've had this disagreement, um, let's cool down. Both of us now are what we call flooded. We're in this sort of fight or flight zone. Now let's, can we, can we talk about this? I can see this is important to you, it's important to me but now is not a good time. So that's the first thing I would say is, choose the time and not when you're in this elevated, right, I'm going for it.
0: Um, Any tips for arguing without shouting? Uh,
1: Once you know you're getting into that place, um, either you need to be able to recognize that's your time to say, I need to step away, or the person you're shouting at needs to have a clearer boundary and say, you know, it's not okay when you shout at me. When you shout, I will leave the room. It is important that we discuss this, um, but I'm not going to be shouted at. So both of you take responsibility when it's got to that stage.
0: What about sort of... um... Pots and household objects flying across uh, the room. Probably, probably good to lock those
1: things up and uh, to avoid that.
0: I was involved in a domestic once when I was young. My, my friend, we went round to his mum's house for dinner and we were late and she threw a potato at him. He said, what's for dinner? She said, here's your dinner and <laughs> chucked a potato. <laughs> Full yep. Hit him full side of the head, it did. Probably not the ideal You'd way to have the argument. you get for audience. that now,
1: wouldn't you? Probably. Assault by potato. Um, but can I say, actually, just... you know, And then once, once we've got to that point where we say, OK, um, we're now going to have a discussion, I'd like to make a couple of points. Firstly don't build up let's say it's five o'clock today and uh i'm gonna sit down with sarah and we're gonna have it out and it's been building up and now we're gonna have it out so i've got my list of things and i and firstly it's this and then it's this and then it's this that's not gonna go anywhere so if that's the case that you're now going to talk about what's happened i would say pick one issue be very specific and um Use a lot of I statements because what we tend to do is when we argue we criticise. And if there's only one point I'd like to get across during the whole show today, it's that criticism undermines the relationship.
0: You never said that to start with.
1: <laughs> I know, I know. You said, and what happens is I get defensive. Yeah. So we get caught in this attack blame and defend pattern because the moment you criticize me i'm going to go to a defensive position and then possibly attack and i i think i said this a long time ago when we were talking about relationships two words in couples relationships i um forbid them to use one is always and one is never because that's a global criticism you never pick up... Look at your smiling because it's it's laughing at Sarah. It's so familiar. I'm laughing at Sarah because she's she's got all red. (laughs) Of course, of course we all do it because what I want to do in an argument, I want to prove my point. So what I will do is I'll embellish and I'll say, do you know what, Sarah? You never take the rubbish out It's you not should. my
5: job
0: you no, always
1: do this so when she, we... does. <laughs> she told me to take it out last time <laughs> so when we go to this place where we make it global uh all we're doing is setting ourselves up for a failure so we avoid those words like never and always and we avoid criticizing and the beauty of an i statement is i'm no longer in my entrenched position what i want to share is how I feel. I feel abandoned, I feel neglected, I feel hurt um, that you never take the rubbish out.
0: But you have to that, be careful not to say you in the same I statement.
1: And it's exactly what happens. I, I feel hurt that you're an idiot isn't a good Pardon? isn't a good <laughs> sentence. No, I didn't come to be <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> so what we need to try to do is let go of proving our point because underneath every criticism there is a wish. There's a desire that hasn't been noticed, that hasn't been fulfilled. And that's what we want to get to. So if it's, why are you always on your phone? What's what's the wish? The wish is, and how do you feel about it? I don't want you to always be on your phone. I feel ignored. I feel upset. But what do we do instead? We go for the attack.
0: I think they go for lunch.
1: <laughs> Leave your phone at home. Uh,
0: we have uh, one or two questions. A bit thin on the ground this morning. I guess that's got something to do with the uh, the current uh, global situation. Uh, but uh, we always keep your questions anonymous, whether you tell us to or not. So, uh, from a lady, uh, hello, Gavin. Is having things in common importance. In I argued over so many of our differences with my ex. Now that I'm dating again, I'm hoping to find someone with a shared interests and hobbies. For example, I want somebody who wants to have kids and. find... some older men don't want this. Will will this lead to a better relationship?
1: It's a great question. And I think having things in common can be useful, but I think we overestimate that. And I think we overestimate it because our interests change. I mean, we'll come back to the kids' point, but I think we we find somewhere where we we share interests, we both like doing these activities. But 20 years from now, I may not enjoy that activity. Um, or may not be able to do that activity. So for for interests, change. And I think in terms of kids, what we hope to do in a relationship is find someone who shares our life vision. And of course, it's important if one of you wants to have kids, the other doesn't. That is a massive issue. But I also have seen couples when we've really spent time drilling down, one of the reasons they got married or the primary reason was to have kids. And if you're not already an established unit and a very safe and secure unit that then chooses to invite a child into your unit, that's different than creating a unit in order to bring a child into the world.
0: Should you get that kind of thing out of the way on the first date, you know, do you want to have my children?
1: Maybe not the first date. However, it is, you know, we don't talk about when we're dating things like money, sex our visions you know I, I do couples intensives where i sometimes it's 5 or 6 couples together for a weekend sometimes it's one to one and one of the things that they leave with is a um we call it all different things but, but, but they leave with a map or a contract of things about their relationship because i ask each part of the couple to think about at this point in your life where are your priorities Because if one person's priorities are, I'm looking to retire, the other is I'm looking to expand my business, then the two of you are not totally in sync. So it's a pretty good idea when you start dating to talk about what is our vision and it will change. You're going to rewrite it at different times of your life, but it is really important to know these things before you get into a committed relationship. That's not always easy
0: when you're on cloud nine with the, the infatuation stage of a relationship. And we all know it doesn't last forever, but it's not very easy to tackle difficult subjects like that when you're just feeling great about everything and don't want to bring yourself down.
1: Or... It isn't. And that's sometimes why couples come to therapy. You know, there's different stages where they come. And as soon as that romantic love has dissipated, because you, you're absolutely right, it doesn't last, then they think, oh, okay, who am I married to? Do we share the same vision? Do we want the same things?
0: Well, you're asking me who you're married to. <laughs> uh, still have time for one or two more questions if you uh, want to pluck up the courage and uh, ask Gavin something studio, rivier, Ready dos, mc. So basically you're saying it's okay to argue, it's just how you go about it.
1: Correct. When I, I often say this in the therapy room that there's, there's you, there's your partner, and there's the space in between. And you need to think about what you put into that space in between because if you put a lot of contempt if you put a lot of sarcasm if there is bitterness bitterness if there is resentment you are slowly drip drip poisoning the space in between so put kind things put appreciations and um, when there's an argument notice that okay there's something here there's a feeling here that i have there's an unmet need. And when my partner is arguing, the other thing I, I will say to couples to do is I'll say to one of them, I sometimes say in the therapy room, I said that phrase a lot today, I'll say to one of the one of the, part of the couple, right, you need to be quiet. Just let your spouse, I'm not talking to you, Rob. I say to the person, you need to be quiet and let your spouse talk. And the problem is we're so bursting to get our point across. And what gets lost is we don't listen. So when you schedule that time, and when one person is making their complaint, the only thing the other person should do is listen and wait. And before you get your point, because when you're having an argument, you know this sometimes, I know I do this, I'm already constructing my retort. As the person's criticizing me, I'm preparing what I'm going to say. I need to let go of that. And what I do is I listen, and then I'm going to summarise what my partner is unhappy about, and I'm going to validate. Before I even get to my point, what I hear you say, Rob, is that you're upset about X, Y, Z. That must be difficult for you.
0: It's not so much the X and the Y I'm obsessed about, but the Z's driving me crazy. You know, so
1: I hear, Rob, that the Z drives you crazy, and that must be difficult. And I, I can absolutely fundamentally disagree with your Z point. But before there is a time to get round to that, the only thing that needs to happen in this argument is I need to acknowledge you. And you need to feel seen and heard. And when you do, you won't be in that fight or flight place. I won't. And there will be an opportunity for me to share with you how I feel. But right now, it's about you. Well,
0: I'm going to let Sarah ask a question, otherwise I'll be for the high jump.
5: Well, no, but then I was just wondering, because that surely means that then you don't have an argument. Well, that's the best thing, isn't it? Well, no, because they're just saying arguments are healthy. Do you mean no. Well, no, you want well, to have an I argument. <laughs> say you saying earlier on that happy couples, it can be quite just healthy that they said, argue. Sarah
1: and Rob are having an argument. <laughs> so, what you are having an argument, but I mean, actually. Let's face
5: it, you're not going to suddenly turn around and say, oh, wait a minute, I'm just going to cool down and, and write down what I want to say to you calmly and collectively. Well, Otherwise, maybe you
0: should. No, but you're well, not going your to do that. not better, you know. No, but come off it. You're really not going to do <laughs> no,
5: this, that, this are is, you? But
0: this is, this is, I think this is what Gavin's trying to get across, that, y- you know, you can make a, if you listen to this and take it in, you can actually make that conscious decision when things start going wrong to step back because you know you're reaching your trigger point. That's what Gavin was saying. Yes, but when then that listening?
5: means that you don't <laughs> have an argument. Well, and sometimes good. it can be healthy to have an argument. Well, I don't know. I mean, mind. there are people, what, what annoys me, are the people that don't argue.
1: Mm-hm.
5: I mean, there are people that just don't like confrontation at all. And I think that's one of the most frustrating things when you...
1: And that's really unhealthy, because that conflict avoidance actually means that sometimes it just, it builds up. The resentment builds up, the anger builds up. And that's when 15 years later, you realise that I can't stand the person in front of me, because you haven't communicated the, the complaints. So what I'm saying is I think the way to argue is to make a complaint. I feel upset that you are always on your mobile phone. And because underneath the argument is how I feel about this. There's my unmet need so i'll give you an example so a couple had an argument in front of me and uh she said he drives like a lunatic we were late today uh we were nearly late but you know what he drives like a lunatic he's crazy and i'll tell you what my concern is one of these days he's going to kill someone and actually i said i don't think that's what you're worried about and she's looked at me shocked and i said so we spend a little bit of time just focusing on that issue and ultimately what she was trying to say is I really care about him, I love him, and when he drives too fast, I'm fearful he's gonna hurt himself. Mm. But she didn't want to say that. She wanted to barge through the therapy room and tell me he's a lunatic and he always drives fast.
5: Your driving is appalling. No. <laughs> no, no, I've, never uh, been just
1: I've heard that. I have heard that.
0: The pot calling the kettle black. <laughs> <laughs> Gavin Sharp is with us for Wellbeing Wednesday. I'll have you know, Sarah, the last road accident I had was in Villefranche in 1994, and it wasn't my fault either. Should we talk about bearing grudges? or? <laughs> <laughs> uh, quite a few questions coming in now. Let's uh, have another one to start with. Um, can you ask, Gavin, how important forgiveness is in arguments? Can one really and genuinely forgive, or do you build up some resentment each time?
1: That's a great question. I think the letting go of resentment is what I would focus on because holding a resentment, (laughs) bearing a grudge about uh, someone criticizing your driving many years ago, that will damage the fabric of the relationship. And it is important that in the relationship, the, the part of the repair, what's really important to me is did my partner genuinely understand my point of view? Have I been seen? And that's why I said when the two people are arguing one person, is they talking, the other listens and summarises and validates. And then if that happens, I am less likely to hold a resentment. I think there are some cases, for example, if I've been in an abusive relationship where I don't always think forgiveness is the answer. I think I come to terms with it. Um, I think I let go of some of the resentment but the fig- holding on to the not forgiving can also be productive. It, it means that what I went through was real. So I think that's how I'd frame an answer to that question.
0: Well, that's a different ball game, isn't it? If you're talking about uh, abusive relationships, but uh, this is just normal. Well, you know, normal banter, normal. absolutely. Banter.
1: And I think it's a really good point because if you're word. in a relationship bickering, I think is what we're talking about. Bickering, the, the bickering, the, the, that daily or have a frequent bickering. If you're in a relationship that is abusive. You need to get out or seek help. Uh,
0: hello, we are a gay male couple. We argue a lot and have often wondered whether there's too much testosterone in our household. Do men argue more than women? Well, I
1: don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great question. Sarah is giggling away to herself Yeah, Sarah?
0: Um, no, <laughs> I don't think that's true. And it can't be, surely. You think men are more argumentative than women? No. No, the other no, way around. I no, think, I
5: think it just depends on your character. I don't think it's a question oh, of sex, Oh, you don't is,
0: think is it? it's a question of sex? No. I, okay.
1: I think that the way we argue, I think we're, we're conditioned to argue. So, yes, men can become a bit more aggressive in an argument. I don't think that, I don't know if there's any research on this. I don't think it is so gender specific. What does tend to happen sometimes in heterosexual relationships is... The but, but this can happen in same-sex relationships but the the woman is very often more of the what I would call the pursuer which is there's something here that's bothering me and I'd like to discuss it and the man is more of the <laughs> there's so much giggling in the studio so it's
0: like Harry Potter the, the pursuer the, the man
1: is more of the withdrawer are you trying because... to say the
5: woman flies off the handle quicker
1: no I think the woman is better able to express her emotions because of conditioning So I think the woman is more likely to say, this is how I feel. And then the man, we're more likely to go into our man cave (laughs) because we are less likely to want to have the discussion about emotions. Going to the pub. Um, (laughs) And that
4: happens.
0: Well, it depends what your trigger points are. I mean, for a man, it might seem completely, um, you know, unimportant to leave the toothbrush in the sink without putting it back in its nice little holder. Whereas for a woman, that might seem You're
5: not telling me you just argue about... Well, brushes no, but... towels on the bathroom floor, well, come no... on, what really gets you goat, hey, apart from like that's more like nagging little habits, I mean sure, yeah, couples... but quite
0: often that's the starting point for something that turns into a blistering really? argument uh, well quite no, often yeah. I, I
1: don't argue well, it depends with what kind like of mood you're in, doesn't it but you see I think it's really interesting because I do think that when we those things have a tendency to build and they're trivialized, so if I say this is such a stupid issue. Why? I don't, I don't understand why you're always going on about the toothpaste lid and the towel on the floor. Get over it. Rob. What I've done is I haven't actually acknowledged that this is important to you and it does bother you. And so once that builds up and I minimise and I invalidate, you don't feel seen or heard. So the argument is, it really is, objectively, it's trivial. But if something's bothering you, it's bothering you. And it's important that the... The way you feel does get expressed, and by the other person acknowledged. You can disagree. You can disagree about whether or not leaving the lid off the toothpaste is a big deal. But what you do need to do is understand what it represents to your partner. Could I just
0: say that neither my wife or I uh, leave our towels on the bathroom floor? But if you're talking about my daughter, now you know, that's something different. things we're not a couple, and that's okay, isn't it?
5: What about when you're watching telly? Do you argue over what to watch on the telly?
0: Got two tellies. I
5: think
0: so. <laughs> <laughs> so he's a one room he, he, and she's in the bathrooms. other. two bathrooms.
5: <laughs> oh, that's called living apart. Oh, two
0: bathrooms. Two,
1: <laughs> two bathrooms. That would be a dream. Oh. Two loos and a bidet. There's a lot that's coming out in this show today for you both.
0: A lot of people get rid of their day, but I think as you I get older, it's one I of the most wait. useful <laughs> oh, no, pieces on. of bathroom furniture you can have. And moving on swiftly. Right. Um, so, are you saying you're teaching your uh, your clients to have a good old fight and get the gloves out?
1: I, I think, yes, in a nutshell. I want my clients, and sometimes in the therapy room, I will ask them to have an argument. Gavin said that. And sometimes they will argue over what I've just said, but it can be fascinating because two people will say something and all, so there's three of us in the room and all three of us will have a different recollection of what just got said. And all three of us will believe what I heard is this and what I heard is this. And we can either use the whole session now to try and work out which one of us is correct, or we can work out what's actually going on. What happened between the two of you when there was that disconnect? So, yes, I I, I welcome couples to have an argument so long as it's safe and they're not, you know, they're not being physical and they're not shouting at each other. So I will have my boundaries and then I want them to have the argument because I want to know what is it that's really happening? What is underneath this argument? Because it's not about the phone. It's not about the driving fast. It's not about the towel on the floor. There is something here between you both that is important. That's what I want to get to.
0: So when you say safe, does that mean sitting in a padded armchair with a seatbelt and a crash
1: it? Well, it is about <laughs> setting boundaries. And I will say, it's not OK for you to shout. You can have your arguments. Um, and only once someone left the room uh, and, you know, and they came back. Couples was...
5: who have more sex, do they argue
1: less? Well, hopefully not during sex. <laughs> um, I want to go on top. <laughs> I, I don't I don't think so. I, I'm that not, again, I don't change. know that if there's any, if there's any reason, any anyway. no, because I think, you know, we, we'll, we'll do a show on sex. Uh, oh, but, oh can't but, wait for that. But I don't think that, you know, because there's connected sex, there's disconnected sex, there's makeup sex. So I don't think couples who are having lots of sex are necessarily any happier. Should we do uh, the, the sex
0: programs of a night? Uh, <laughs> or,
1: or we can do. Okay,
0: right. Um, is there a technique to apologizing, or do we just
1: grovel until we're out of the doghouse? Uh, we we can grovel um, I would say that let's let go of the things that we say such as I'm not the one that did something wrong which we often hear ourselves saying uh, you know, or it wasn't my intent to hurt you so we come up with these statements all I need to know is that in this moment my partner is hurt so an apology don't defend or minimise it Don't do I'm sorry if I hurt you, because it isn't an if, the person's just said, I'm hurt, I'm angry. I'm sorry I hurt you, but there is no but. What I want to hear, if I am angry or sad and we've got to the emotion, I just want to know that you get it. So if you're going to apologize, it has to be authentic. I would be very specific about what you're apologizing for. You might even want to ask some questions because you may not understand why this is bothering the other person. So help me understand a little bit more about it. I can see that you're distressed. What was happening for you? And I would say, go back to the forgiveness point. Don't push for forgiveness because what we sometimes want is it's okay now. So I've said, sorry, I've acknowledged it, move on. And the moment you do that, you're, you're letting go. You're not really empathizing. And also apologize, make eye contact, sit down with each other face to face uh, because then you're also going to connect energetically, you're much going to be much more present for each other.
0: Uh, Hi Gavin, my partner and I didn't really argue until lockdown and then everything changed and hasn't really gone back to normal. Uh, We're finding it difficult to find our balance, we're used to doing everything together, so it's puzzling why lockdown
1: impacted us. Uh, What do you think? this has come up so much for so many couples that lockdown has highlighted some of the cracks that possibly were there before, or it's inserted some new cracks. What was interesting, what you just said then, was that I think they'd said, we're used to doing everything together. And that is can be wonderful, but there's just a little alarm bell for me that you know, relationships are meant to be where we're interdependent. So there's an element of dependency and what I think made lockdown. So a couple that's used to doing everything together is now living together. And that's going to enhance those cracks because actually if I go back to there's me, there's you and there's the space in between, I really have to feel separate to you. And if I feel separate to you, that gives me permission to feel connected to you. So it's recognising now that we're out of lockdown, are you still doing everything together? Or can you find that balance of having some of the space for you? Because it will free up a much healthier space for you as a couple.
0: Okay, um, we've been talking about sort of happy couples, but can unhappy couples find happiness?
1: I think it's a very interesting question. And yes, I think some unhappy couples You know, they come to couples therapy to find out, are we done? Is there a future here? And sometimes, and my role is not as a couples therapist to get someone to stay together. My role is to help them find out. But I would say that being unhappy doesn't mean the relationship is over. What, you know, one of the reasons we get married and we couple up is because we're looking for safety and security. We're looking to find someone that's got our back to feel secure in the world that's that's what we do in relationships so what i think those couples if they can establish that sense of i feel safe and i feel secure and the other thing in arguing is do i understand my partner's triggers cuz when an unhappy couple works out the buttons that they're pushing each of us has comes with baggage i've got a childhood i've got things that in my childhood weren't perfect and sorry dad cuz he listens so So, my partner is going to push some of those buttons. And the more that my partner understands, ah, I know that this is Gavin's, um, you know, these are Gavin's sort of trigger points. The more we understand each other's trigger points, the happier we're going to be because I'm going to tread more carefully. So, yes, I think that some couples, um, unhappy couples, they do find happiness. Could they tickle each other? Would that work? (laughs) I could certainly try. Oh, yeah. Get off! I've not, I've not had it in the therapy room, but you never know.
0: Well, maybe you should have a sort of tickling session. You know, it, it was tickling session. The tickling stick. Yeah, that was Ken Dodd, wasn't it? It was. Yeah.
1: He wasn't <laughs> done for his tax,
4: but that's a separate issue. <laughs>
0: <laughs> didn't he get away with that i
1: can't remember
0: no, i think you do i can't remember. Nossi ashley came from didn't he uh hello gavin my partner and i seem to have big arguments but not that often can gavin help us understand why we spend so much of our time getting on and then we have these outbursts which set us back i'm really growing tired of what's becoming a roller coaster of a relationship uh thanks uh, as always i'm a regular off the show
1: so I think this is, this is a, a case potentially of a couple who are not addressing the issues between them. So what happens is it looks like most of the time we do really well, and then there's an outburst because the resentment has built up. And you know, there's a therapist called John, John Gottman and he, he talks about the fact that in our relationships, all of us are trying to make what he calls bids for connection throughout the time, throughout the day that we're together with our partners, even when we're apart sending text messages, we are trying to make bids for connection. And we're trying to be, pay attention to me, ask about my day. So if I come home and I'm really, really stressed and I sit down in the chair and I kind of sigh, that's a bid for connection. I want my other half to say, oh, Gavin, are you okay? Because I've just made a sigh, I've made a noise, or, you say to a friend of yours, if you heard that guy and that therapist on the radio, he's really good. You're making a bid for connection from that person. And here's what we can do in relationship. We have three choices. We can turn towards, away or against. So when we turn towards, we will say something like, or let's say it's the example of I've come home, I sit in the chair and I make that sighing noise. So my partner can turn towards me and say, Gavin, how are you doing? Um, That sounds sounds like quite a sigh. They can turn away and say, um, sorry, I'll I'll be with you in a minute. Or they can turn against and say, could you keep quiet? Because I'm just, you know, stop being a drama queen over there. Can you just be quiet? Because I'm doing something over here. These bids for connection are really important. So when couples don't argue and, and things build up, what I often wonder about is, What's happened to all these bids for connection? You're missing each other.
0: Yeah. Uh, Alex says, couldn't agree more. When my French wife and I bought our apartment, we inherited a Day, And I was so happy and relieved. <laughs> but my <laughs> wife chose the refurbishments as the chance to get rid of it and had a loss of style over function porcelain fitted. I've been moaning about it for over a decade. That's unusual for a French person to get rid of a Day. It's normally the other way French. around. Yeah
1: yeah i do want to point out that as part of my training and i have several qualifications in addiction and trauma and couples where i haven't trained in in bidet and personal hygiene so it's slightly beyond my pay grade
0: yeah maybe that there should be a kind of a a sort of um you know a b day center for sort of men (laughs) who haven't got one and they can all go along and enjoy it uh, is it true the way we relate to our romantic partners is the same as we uh, were with our parents? Now, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah.
1: Yes, and I, I, I think I'd like to do a, a whole show on what we, what we call attachment theory, which is, and I think we've touched upon it, but only briefly, which is the way I was raised by my parents will impact the way I love today. So if I grew up in a household where uh, mum and dad were emotionally and physically present for me, we call that kind of a secure attachment. If I grew up in a household where mum and dad were a bit, uh, or my primary caregivers um, were not that consistent, um, and I didn't always feel loved, I'm gonna grow up and be a little bit more clingy in my love relationships. Because what I learned growing up was that you can't really rely on people so we call that more of an anxious attachment style and if mum and dad uh, were just really just not present or very dismissive I will grow up and I will be more avoidant I will be more aloof I won't like intimacy I will push people away so we we learn a lot about how we love in our adult relationships based on how we were loved as children and we and we repeat that pattern and we often find a partner who mirrors the worst of mum and dad because it's so familiar to us. Oh god. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, interesting the question about the, the the mixed marriage there the you know the french uh, english couple uh, because uh, this one says my question is when you have a mixed language relationship in two different nationalities it's not easy explaining our different cultures no it isn't there are just some phrases in english that don't work in french and vice versa
1: yes and so what we have to do is be patient uh, and we need to understand. We just to spend a bit more time understanding our partner and trying to understand. And I've seen a lot, unsurprisingly, given the expat community here, of you know, one partner's Italian, one partner's French or British, or and so some of the disconnect comes from cultural. So that's that's the stuff I was saying that we each those are the trigger points. Culturally, this might represent something different to me than it does to you. So you might be dismissive about infidelity and make jokes about it because that was part of your culture. Well, like the Frenchman. I <laughs> I'm not mentioning any nationality, uh, but but that actually is something that matters to me and my baggage, my trigger might be: hey, I grew up in a household where there was infidelity, so I need to be sensitive to the language differences, the cultural differences, and that's that's not always easy.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the culture thing is 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 quite important. I mean, I remember one of the first times I was plunged into a French household uh, with a relationship with a French woman. And, you know, you have your dinner and you have your entree and you have your main course and you think, oh, great, the pudding's coming now and a big bowl of salad turns up. You think, what's that about? The meat juice is still <laughs> on the plate.
1: How am I supposed to deal with that? And then we get into this this the the self-righteous but this is this is the wrong way to do it and it's the right way to do it and we we start to get into those entrenched positions that i was talking about earlier and the moment we start doing that and we believe that we are right or our way is right um we've we've in some respects we've lost the argument because um (laughs) the other thing i wanted to say about arguments is that most arguments are perpetual and they're unresolvable the resolution is irrelevant. It doesn't actually matter about what we're arguing about. I've had times when I can't even remember what it was that we argued over. I know we had an argument last week, um, but I can't actually remember now what it was we argued over. And that's because it is these trivial points that we were talking about and almost joking about, which is the um, the fact that I can't actually resolve this argument. But what matters is: Have you understood my point of view? Do you? Do you? validate me. Do you get me? Because if you do, I don't really care about the toothpaste lid or the towel on the floor. I just want to know that you see me and get me.
0: Well, that's a rather carefree attitude, isn't it? Because, I mean, that really upset me what
1: you said last week and now you can't even remember it. (laughs) Well, but it it also shows that these are the type of arguments we have. Mm. They're trivial. We can't remember what it is. And that's why I said to you before the break, what's the last thing you argued over? And, of course, I'm sure there will be some couples that it was something very significant um, and, um, and it needs to be addressed. But for lots of couples it will be, oh, I can't believe we argued over who took the shopping in. But that is the stuff that we spend time as you and i which was about that word bickering over
0: as my dad always said there's no point crying about spilt milk mm. but he also thought the bead overs washing your feet <laughs> in because the first time we went on a continental holiday i saw him in the bathroom washing his feet in it and even i knew what it was for at that point but right in conclusion relationships it's okay to have an argument but mind how you go and avoid politics
1: Well, or you don't have to avoid the politics, but understand the other's position. Yes, in in conclusion, that was a very good summary, by the way. I think in conclusion, um, happy couples argue. I think it's important to argue. I think when we argue with our spouses, we are inviting them into our world. And what I'm actually saying is there's something here that I'm hurt about. There's a need I haven't got met. And we're going to have so much greater capacity for intimacy if you step into my world and you understand why I'm hurt and you validate that rather than disagreeing or minimizing or invalidating so if you argue well you'll love well
0: what's the subject next month
1: well I was thinking we could do the love maps I was thinking we could talk about not love handles (laughs) why do you look at me like that no, I need to lose a bit of weight. So I thought we could talk about um, love maps and a little bit more about this. If I'm a bit more, this is a ta- what we call attachment theory. If I am secure in my love relationship or if I'm insecure and generally speaking, um, secure people will pair off and find secure people and the rest of us uh, who might be insecurely attached, we get into relationships with other insecure people. So how do we deal with that?
0: Okay, uh, information, and if anyone would like
1: to book a therapy session, uh, rivierawellbeing.com. Absolutely, and they can email me, gavin at rivierawellbeing.com. And I do just want to summarise one point, or repeat rather what I said earlier on. If you are, if we are talking about the, the typical daily arguments, if you're in an unhealthy relationship, or an abusive relationship, seek help or get out of the relationship.
0: Um... You finished,
5: Sarah? <laughs> I think yeah. you two just need to get over it. No, because normally you don't want <laughs> Just to,
0: move on, you normally know. Normally
1: you always want to have the last word.
0: But...
5: No, I, I don't worry. It's OK.
0: I'll just see you
1: afterwards. The, the argument will continue. On FM and DAB+, across
5: the Côte d'Azur, on your phone and worldwide online, this is Riviera Radio with the latest local news for the south
0: of France. Sarah Lyston has the top stories across the Riviera.
5: The Altmar team has announced that it can welcome and house a 1,000 Ukrainian refugees. To date, since the outbreak of the Russian offensive last week, more than 500,000 Ukrainians have fled their country. Uh, Since, the President of the Department has proposed uh, to welcome up to a 1,000 refugees thanks to special flights and to house them in the region. Uh, From tomorrow, a special platform will be set up for all the inhabitants of the Department who wish on an individual basis to host refugees uh, should the capacities of the community not be enough. Meanwhile, the Russian community in Nice has said that they are now victims of discrimination uh, since the outbreak of war in Ukraine. In the Outmaritime, team, the Russian community is estimated at 100,000 people. On Tuesday, representatives of the Ukrainian and Russian communities in Nice held a meeting as the mayor, Christian Estrosi, has said that he doesn't want to let this conflict carry over to us, adding that there had been extraordinary outpourings of generosity. For those who wish to help, you can call 0497 double. That's 0497 Or you can email soutien.ukraine at nicecotizure.org. That information is available at rivieradio.mc. In other news this morning, a homeless woman has been found dead on the Croisette in Cannes. The body of the 56-year-old woman was found lifeless on a bench on the Croisette on Tuesday morning. It was a passerby who alerted emergency services. The cause of death is unknown. A man has been arrested for an attempted kidnapping. According to reports, on February the 22nd, the individual tried to kidnap two children from the Saint-Exubery School in Monton, and the investigation continues. Organisers of the Cannes Film Festival have announced that for as long as Russia invades Ukraine, Russian delegations will be banned from attending the event, and the Cannes Film Festival takes place from May 17th to the 28th. Saint Raphael in the Var has experienced strong winds with gusts of up to 114 kilometres an hour on Tuesday. Meteo France had not issued a weather alert, but strong winds were felt along the coast. And Nice in the team, as a precaution, had closed its parks as well as the coastal paths on Tuesday. Finally, OGC-Nice have beaten Versailles 2-0, uh, taking them to the final of the French Cup for the first time since 2006. Uh, they'll face Nantes or Monaco at the Stade de France, uh, depending on this evening's result, as Nantes face Monaco. Kickoff uh, kick-off is at 9pm this evening.
0: Riviera Radio, sports news. So it could be an all-Cote to see a final, then. It certainly could be. Monaco-Nice. That would be exciting. Mm. Uh, Football, there was one game in the English Premier League last night and three fifth-round ties in the FA Cup. Here are the details from BBC Sports.
3: BBC Premier League update from the home of Premier
4: League football. Hello, I'm Paul Serres at the BBC Sports Centre. Leicester City were 2-0 winners at Burnley in Tuesday evening's Premier League match. Jamie Vardy marked his return to the side with a goal after more than two months out with a hamstring injury. The Premier League leaders Manchester City were 2-0 winners away at Peterborough in the FA Cup. Jack Grealish and Riyad Mahrez got the goals for City, who were captained by the Ukraine international Alexander Zinchenko for the match. Tottenham were beaten in the Cup by championship side Middlesbrough. Josh Coburn got the only goal of the game in extra time at the Riverside, while Crystal Palace were 2-1 winners at home against second-tier Stoke City. Ukraine forward Andriy Yamalenko will not be rushed into returning for the English Premier League side West Ham as his nation continues to fight the invasion by Russia. Yamalenko was given compassionate leave last week and returned to the club on Monday. He's won 106 caps for Ukraine but missed West Ham's 1-0 Premier League win over Wolves on Sunday. The Hammers take on Southampton in the FA Cup fifth round on Wednesday and manager David Moyes says Yarmolenko will decide if he is ready to play.
1: He's really upset. He's got family members in Ukraine. He's you know, obviously got lots of family members in Ukraine and friends and uh, you know, he's worried for everybody and uh, realises the difficulty what's going on and uh, he's a long way away and he can't do a lot about it. So he's, uh, he's upset the boy and, and quite rightly so. We won't rush him. You know, if he feels fine and up to it, then he'll, he'll travel with the team. If he doesn't, then we'll, we'll give him some more days off.
4: And for more football news from the BBC, go to bbc.com forward slash football.
3: BBC Premier League update from the home of Premier League football.
4: Spurs aren't on
0: their way to Wembley. Oh, dear. Three more tyres tonight. loosen play Chelsea.
5: I think you'll be all right. You think so? I think, I think you might be do doing it, yeah. okay. They're, in the, they're not uh, doing badly. This in the playoff is true, places
0: in the Championship. I'll go for a Chelsea win. Southampton against West Ham. Southampton. That was quite decisive. Yes. Not sure about that. West Ham and Liverpool against Norwich.
5: Fingers crossed. Oh,
0: come on. You, you thrashed them 6 <laughs> 0 last time. The Rosie time Reds, oh. yes. We're doing all right at the moment. Uh, Formula One, the FIA has said that Russian and Belarusian drivers can take part in international events despite the invasion of Ukraine. The FIA said it condemned the invasion of Ukraine, but the Russian and Belarusian drivers and officials could compete in a neutral capacity. The sports governing body also confirmed the Russian Grand Prix has been cancelled in accordance with International Olympic Committee recommendations. Athletics, a decision on whether to ban Russian athletes from the Winter Paralympic Games will be made shortly. The Russian team has already arrived in Beijing for the Games, which start this weekend, but they're likely to be banned from competing. Reports say that other nations will pull out of the Games if Russian athletes are allowed to compete. And in boxing, Tyson Fury says he'll retire after the defence of his WBC World Heavyweight title until Dillian Weiss in April. Against Dillian Weiss in April, the 33-year-old has won 31 of his 32 professional fights and said after his press conference to promote the upcoming fights that he was 100% certain that he's made the right decision until he changes his mind. Here's the marine weather forecast for coastal areas up to 20 miles offshore the Sea Navarre. The, the general situation's high pressure, 1,025 millibars over the region. And a depression 1013 millibars between Sicily and the Ionian Sea. Winds are variable, force 1 to 3 becoming southwesterly, force 3 to 5. The sea is calm, becoming slight to moderate. Visibility is good. Barometric pressure at saint jean Ferrat, 1024 millibars. And the Alec for Thursday, partially cloudy, force 2 to 4, westerly winds, slight seas, and good visibility. For North Corsica, winds are southwesterly, force 3 to 5, the sea is slight to moderate, visibility is good. Barometric pressure at Cap Corse, 1,025 millibars. And the Alec for Thursday, partially cloudy, force 2 to 4, southwesterly winds, slight seas, and good visibility.
2: Riviera Radio, weather.
0: Mainly fine today with moderate westerly winds, top temperature 15 degrees, overnight lows 6 to 8 degrees on the coast, 2 to 4 degrees inland with partially cloudy skies, Thursday and Friday partially cloudy, possibly some showers on Friday afternoon, highs of 13 to 15 degrees. Finally.
5: While a visit to a swanky restaurant or a fancy cocktail bar may be the top choice for some singletons... Generation Z daters have a totally different idea when it comes to romance. According to Badu, young people are snubbing typical dating spots for crafting classes, gym sessions or even dawn dates where singletons meet up for coffee or breakfast before starting work. A surge in online dating following the pandemic means that Generation Z singletons are cutting to the chase when it comes to meeting potential partners. They're ditching the wine bars and swanky restaurants, and uh, in exchange for pottery classes, <laughs>
0: yoga sessions. Can't think of anything worse. Young people today, <laughs> they don't know the half of it, do they? Come on then. Come on then. What?
5: What's your? What would be? Where would you go for an ideal date?
0: Down the pub. <laughs> oh, so... McDonald's. McDonald's. <laughs>